again uh oh actually i think we'll be getting things started now so awesome yeah all right well welcome to our new spaces session that we've referred to as and are going to be continuing to call ai now um i am your host john and today i am also joined with co-host um which is the marketing lead of fetch ai freya hi happy to be here and Today, uh, we really wanted to present to you guys a new type of Twitter Spaces session that we would love to continue to do forward, as I said, uh, which is in these sessions, in these AI Now sessions, we want to cover a lot of new AI topic and news that's been going around and kind of try and make it a little bit more understandable for people because the space is evolving extremely fast. And even the part that Fetch AI has a part in here um, can be a little bit difficult for a lot of people to understand. So we're hoping to be able to invite on AI leaders and experts uh, in in their fields to be able to give their opinion and insights on you know some of these headlines that are going around, so that that way everybody can kind of get a little bit of an understanding as to you know what's going on. And as Fetch AI, our interest with this is that we are a company that is providing the infrastructure for people to come in and build intelligent autonomous agents, um, otherwise known by some as AI agents. And we do build um, open source software. And we're lucky enough to have partnerships with companies that are exploring the possibilities of AI and agent technology, as well as how we can implement it with blockchain elements, as we do have our own blockchain, which is the Fetch AI network, which is built with the Cosmos SDK. So yeah, with all that being said, we're excited to be able to introduce our first guests for AI now, uh, who come from within the Fetch AI team and have had their heads down building for over four years now. Uh, and, and we don't often get an opportunity to, you know, have people from the development team speak with the community directly. So this is a great opportunity. And I appreciate uh, both Josh and Attila for coming on today to speak with you guys. So yeah, I wanted to now open the floor up um, to allow Attila, I guess you can you can go first in introducing yourself to the community. Okay, thank you, Josh. Uh, hi, hey everyone, I'm Attila Bogoy. Uh, I'm a machine learning engineer here at Fetch AI. So yeah, as John said, uh, I've been working for Fetch now more than four and a half years. Uh, my original background is in physics, been doing particle physics, theoretical data analysis, and then statistical physics and deep learning during my university years. And then I moved to Fetch. Um, and during my years here, I've been, I started working on our original C++ code base, and then been working on the Tendermint, Cosmos SDK stuff. Then been working on Colern as well. Uh, then we had an interesting project in Colern, which was the Colern paint. I don't know many of you might remember. 
So it was about uh, AI-generated art, and we were building these kind of nice models to generate new art, essentially. And yeah, we were kind of in that space before Midjourney and Dolly became a big thing. And yeah, so uh, that's all on high level uh, about me. And today I'm going to talk a bit about uh, new exciting research which came out a few weeks ago, which is uh, called QLORA. The title of the paper was Efficient Fine-Tuning of Quantized LLMs. So I picked this topic because it's a quite interesting and probably one of the most influential or most important uh, discoveries this year so far in AI. Uh, so probably everybody knows kind of uh, what we learned is that uh, if we are making these transformer language models bigger and bigger, then they can do quite amazing stuff for us. For example, ChatGPT. It's a, it's a super nice model. It's super big. And then it is quite able and quite capable of doing various tasks. And surprisingly, in kind of every area as well. And these models are quite big. So... If you, if you want to do really nice stuff, the learning is that it's, it's hard to compete with these lang large language models. In order to compete with a smaller model, let's say, uh, you can go, you have to fine tune. But even the smaller models which are uh, capable are quite big. So for example, nowadays what we call small models are models with seven, 3 billion, 7 billion, 13 billion parameter. Compared to, let's say, a few years ago, we were just talking in the scale of well, many, many million parameter models. And then, of course, there are bigger 30, 65 billion parameters. But these are, uh, compared to ChatGPT, these models are quite small. So ChatGPT is um, around more than 170 billion. So it's a huge, huge model. And with that huge model, of course, there is a lot of issues, like how to scale up, how to serve customers. So for example, open, for OpenAI, it's quite hard to actually make a positive uh, income because they have to just spend enormous amount of uh, money on compute. And yes, so, and what we see is that there is now quite a big competition on uh, bringing new smaller uh, LLM which are open source so everybody can just take it and use it. So there are a big open source community. Uh, sometimes big companies are contributing with compute in order to uh, have more and nice open source models. But still, uh, these models are, as I said, like in billion parameters, so 7 billion, 30 billions, or even more. And although they are open source, it's quite hard to actually, you know, smaller people who are, do not have that kind of access for compute, like bigger companies have to just simply go and uh, grab a model like that, you have some data, then do some something fun with it, fine-tune it, and then make it better for you, your project or for what you are working on. So, for example, a 65 billion model, uh, if you want to fine-tune, it requires an enormous amount of GPU compute. So it requires uh, GPU around 800 gigabytes of GPU RAM, for example. And uh, that is a there are really expensive uh, graphics card, for example, A100, which only uh, has 80 gigabytes of RAM, which is quite a lot. But still, for these uh, language models, the, it's, it's, it's just not enough. So it's impossible for the wider community to take these models and actually play with them and fine tune 
and make something nice. And uh, that's why Qlora is uh, such a huge thing and uh, important. So what is uh, Qlora about? Uh, Qlora is a new technique. It was a research paper published and then all the code and uh, framework is uh, published and made open source so everybody can pick up and use it. And the big thing is that what you can do, you can fine tune these large language models without actually having to uh, have that uh, much GPU compute, that, that much memory. So for example, if you are using QLORA, it enables you to fine tune a 65 billion model just simply using 48 gigabytes of GPU RAM instead of almost 800. So it's a significant reduction in the requirement. And also, while it re reduces that need of uh, GPU RAM, the other important point is that it does that uh, without actually losing accuracy. So it's not, not like we are doing a lot of approximation or just losing half of the accuracy. It is able to keep the accuracy of the big model. And it's, it's really interesting because, for example, if you go for a smaller model, like a 13 billion parameter model, that now you can fine tune only using less than 15 gigabytes of GPU RAM, which now, nowadays is available as a consumer grade uh, PC. So you can buy a GPU, which has more than 15 gigabytes of ROM, have your own workstation, take an open source uh, language model and then play with it and then fine tune on your data. And then you can have a, some something amazing, some amazing project or some amazing product. And if you go, uh, even smaller, like 7 billion parameter that even needs uh, less memory, so less than 10 gigabytes of memory. So it, it means that essentially this new uh, research or uh, new technology uh, is democratizing LLMs. It enables more and more people to come to the field and play, take open source models, uh, fine tune them. And yeah, in, it's a really nice uh, new wave, which is democratizing LLMs. And what it means that we can expect a lot of new exciting projects, new exciting stuff coming out from various people, uh, various smaller research groups or smaller companies. So yeah, uh, on the high level, uh, these were the pieces what I wanted to mention uh, on this note. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. I was, I was going to say as well, um, I, I just briefly wanted to jump in and say as well, just in case there's anybody who kind of got a little bit lost because there were a lot of, uh, you know, technical aspects to, to what Attila is talking about. So if there is anybody who wanted essentially like a, a layman's um, breakdown of, of the concepts in there is that, as he kind of mentioned, currently um, a lot of these large language models are extremely like expensive they take a lot of hardware uh, to be able to run them and large language models by the way are, are you know things that you can interact with that essentially are you're able to feed in an input most people see it as like a prompt like chat gpt uh and then it you know it, it knows basically how to be able to form a, a human word sentence uh to be able to give you like a proper answer to a question or to be able to do things like that they have limitations um, obviously, but in this instance, uh, what this paper was basically discussing, um, and we also actually did find a MarTech uh, post about it that basically just describes the ideas behind it being that 
with this new QLORA uh, technology, it would make it so that instead of requiring possibly, you know, a server or, or tons of cloud computing, which can be quite expensive uh, for even smaller companies to try and use something like that, um, this new model would essentially be able to be run off of a single like GPU, which essentially would mean that like a, a single home computer that somebody could have uh, would be able to run a model like this, which is obviously pretty intense that it's able to do that. And you would be able to fine tune it as well. And the, the best way to basically describe how it ends up condensing itself to be as small as it is that I could find or think of while I was trying to figure out a good way to explain it was just basically if anybody knows how file compression works where you know and people do this all the time to make like a zip file or something you can take a really big document or a really big video or something like that and then it's able to condense it down into a much smaller size and it essentially by like how it's doing that is saying okay these words in this document repeat themselves x amount of times so instead of writing it x amount of times we'll just give a signifier you know a, a a number of some kind of how many times it appears where it appears and instead that data gets reduced down into a very small uh section instead and the LLM here is essentially doing the same type of thing where it's going to be basically compartmentalizing and really pushing things down um, so that it doesn't need to have as much repeating content or things that are essentially going to bloat it up to be bigger than it needs to be for the use that you have in mind. And literally the best example I could find of, of trying to make what I just said understandable um, is if anybody knows the song by Daft Punk, uh, Around the World, which that is quite literally the lyrics, is just Around the World, and it says it over and over again uh, with, you know, some music in the background. Uh, it, it, that was able to be compressed down as a lyrical sheet. Uh, it was able to be reduced down to 98% because it was able to just reduce the characters to 61 total characters needed um, in a file to be able to actually represent the entirety of the song. So you could think of it as something like that, where the model itself doesn't actually need to at all times have all of this information out. It is kind of choosing like what needs to be available at what time and using it based off of that. So hopefully that kind of gives a little bit of a, a, a better, or not a better, because obviously Attila, your explanation is, way more technologically in-depth, but hopefully my uh, additional comments there help people understand a little bit more as to why this would be really cool to be able to have a, a model like this able to run on a single device instead of needing to spend all of this money like other companies may have to do if they wanted to run something much larger. Um, but yeah, you can you can read more um, about like what they're doing with that. It's, it's called QLORA, like the letter Q and L-O-R-A. Uh, and you can find the document for it as well as um, there's some articles and stuff discussing the process. The only thing I also wanted to do very briefly uh, before we touch on another topic is I apologize, Josh, uh, you didn't get to introduce yourself. And I wanted to make sure that you could introduce yourself uh, to the community as well before we before we continue on. So I'll, I'll leave the floor to you for this. Yeah, that's fine. Um... 
Yeah, I'm, my name's Josh. I've been at Fetch uh, since the beginning, actually. I was the first employee. Um, and my background's in uh, game development. And then later on in academia, I, I turned to uh, machine learning. Um, with Fetch, I helped build the kind of first multi-agent system. And since then, I've been involved with almost everything else. Um, yeah, that's who I am. Actually, one, uh, I know this is a little bit more focused on the personal side, but I am interested, though, in um, the transition from, you said, game development then to machine learning. Was there like a moment that happened that made you end up making that switch? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so my, my, my first degree was in, in computer games, and I always wanted to um, into computer programming, but I always wanted to make games. So I went and did that. Uh, but then once I was there, I um, kind of decided that I wanted to go back to academia. So, so I did. And it was just, just kind of the writing on the wall for me. Um, AI had just started to kind of creep into video games. So you start to see like statistical models um, with kind of uh, testing and obviously the AI in games like that. That was a big thing. And I kind of decided I wanted to do that. And there wasn't really a route in games to get to that point. So I went off and learned about it. And then after I learned, learned about it, I decided that I wanted to join a startup. And, and that was Fetch AI. <laughs> wow, that's, that's actually really awesome to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for uh, divulging a little bit more into how that ended up happening. So, yeah, also... Great to have you on. Um, and we're, yeah, we're, we're interested in hearing, I, I guess I could pass it off to you as well. I, I don't know if you had any opinions um, on this QLora system yourself, Josh, or if everything is pretty much covered with that, because yeah, it, it's up to you guys, but otherwise we could move on to the next topic. I mean, Attila did, did a really good summary. Um, uh, the, only, the only thing I would say to this is, while I'm not super familiar with like Kulora's like limitations, I think like having having used ChatGPT now for quite a long time, I I, I think there'll be kind of a a smaller compartmentalized ChatGPT kind of system from probably probably from OpenAI that is just domain specific, because that's that's where I think like a lot of these kind of LLMs are are going. They they need to be domain specific and smaller um and, and i guess i guess um it's the first kind of llm kind of creator to get there um we'll, we'll win that race okay yeah and i uh, i guess something that kind of joins off of this um that i actually like we were we were speaking Frey and i were actually speaking with you guys uh yesterday a little bit about this which i was interested in um hearing more of your perspective on josh was you had brought up basically, and this this is actually something I, I didn't see it really before, but then I had looked it up after the discussion, and it was about the idea that the overall, I guess, complexity or um, capabilities of large language models were potentially going to end up being slowed down uh, or, or are beginning to slow down based off of not necessarily the ability for the models to develop, but because of aspects like costs associated or because of, um, you know, complexity or lack of scalability. So I wanted to kind of, I guess, let you both, you, Josh and Attila, if you guys have more opinions on the idea of LLMs as a concept slowing down. So, yeah, I mean, uh, definitely there uh, is probably a bit of uh, aspect of that uh, research is a bit slowing down because 
if you just look around the field, everything is about like, oh, we did this with uh, ChatGPT, we did that with GPT-4, but it's always there is a hidden huge cost associated with it. And if you move away, so currently OpenAI is kind of taking a lot of losses just to run these models and make them cheap, uh, chat GPT, the older version, freely available. Uh, but that, that it, they cannot keep up uh, that doing forever. So if people are just going to yeah try to uh, replicate or uh, have something similar, they they quite easily face the issues that they cannot scale it. It's too expensive to run. So yes, I think that is a, a step like initially we got overexcited. We got super excited about the capabilities because yes, they are super capable. So for a moment, we kind of put into in the background the associated cost. And now I think after things are just slowing a bit down, uh, those aspects are coming to uh, the whole picture as well, and people start to think about those issues as well. I, I, I guess I can add a little bit, a little bit more. Um, I, I, I've used ChatGPT quite extensively um, in in work and, and and privately, and one of the kind of key things I've I've noticed is that it's it is phenomenally expensive to run. Like when you see that AI is kind of replacing jobs. Um, if if ChatGPT is kind of in in a kind of like a call center to replace somebody that takes a call, um, you end up gonna you're you're actually gonna end up paying more for ChatGPT to answer that phone call than you are for the hourly rate of a human. Um, it's it's uh, incredibly expensive to to use these these systems, and they're also I guess I'm tangenting here, but from from my own use, I'm, I'm seeing that it's really difficult to. Like, how do I put this? There's improvement to be made. Like, ChatGPT is like these. These, to be fair, large language models in general are really, really good at responding to a question. Um, but then, following context for the next question and and continuing so is actually really challenging. And it's something they're not excellent at. And I, I can kind of give like reproducible examples of this where. If you were to talk to ChatGPT, and I think I'm kind of going back now to to like um, Agent GPT. I think that was a, that was a nice little project that came out a few months ago. Um, in Agent GPT, if you look at the code base and how they're doing it, they're having to reinforce the the kind of ChatGPT um, uh, context. So every time you send it a command as such to create. Um, tasks for you behind the scenes they're also telling chat gpt to at no no point deviate from the mission that they are an agent and to not mention that they are uh, an llm model so they're limited and i guess what i'm saying is when you get into the kind of depths of these kind of like wrappers for chat gpt you start to see the limitations of them um but then it kind of also gives you kind of scope to see where it where it can where it can excel um, and again, that kind of takes back to like domain specification. Yeah, yeah, no, that I think that that makes honestly a, a lot of sense because I mean I have seen a lot of scenarios as well. Oops. Sorry, I can hear feedback through the mic. <laughs> awesome, thank you. I was just gonna say, yeah, I, I've I've seen. Um, I don't know as well if there is some kind of even with something like ChatGPT, some kind of. Um, 
there there is a context there's a context loss that happens occasionally even with things that i've used it for whether it was for work or for personal life uh where you know i'll, I'll be in the middle of you know trying to revise something that it had said and it responds back with something that has absolutely nothing to do with what i was talking about it like i'll let's say that i i hand it something like an article you know like from one of the ones that we've we've read through to even hold this uh session um, you know, I could tell it, okay, summarize this article, and this is something that's similar that's happened before, and it'll, you know, give me its summary and do its whole thing, but I'll be like, oh, you know what, I, I kind of want just like, give me, you know, uh, a three to four word, you know, summarization of um, uh, of the summary, and then it'll respond back, quoting an article that either doesn't exist um, or I did not feed it at all with any information. Like it could be, I could be trying to, you know, bring down some article that's about even autonomous agents. And then in the summary that it provides to me, it'll go on like a, a tangent about, you know, how like top athletes in basketball. And I'm super confused by what's going on there. So I do think that, you know, there are, I can definitely see that being a, you know, a limitation with when it's trying to stay on context with what it is specifically being tasked to do. It sometimes slips off of that. And so, yeah, it wasn't really something that I actually thought of. I didn't really think anything of it. I was just like, oh, it's just kind of like a bug, I guess, that's going on. But yeah, it, it seems like it is even happening a little bit more frequently. And I don't know if that's due to, you know, the design of it attempting to be as limited as possible because a lot of these things are trying to be free right now but yeah no it's it, it's definitely um it definitely has limitations now the next topic um uh, that i was hoping that we could kind of jump into is mainly focused around and i kind of want your guys's opinion once again of course on this situation uh it's the the whole idea basically um, where some people have said, you know, AI is a net negative for humanity. It, it's going to, you know, kill us all and yada, yada, um, which I guess oftentimes people who think like that are referred to as AI doomers. And then there's the opposite end of the spectrum where you have people like Sam Altman, for example, uh, who have said, like AI is a net positive for everything. Like, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to change lives. And we're, you know, this is all going to be of, of immense benefit to society. And so I kind of wanted your guys' opinion, because I imagine that since you're working, uh, you know, for a startup focused on AI, that you're, you guys are not AI doomers. Um, but I wanted to know kind of where you guys sit with, with that kind of discussion of, you know, whether or not like there are negatives that outweigh the positives. I, I guess I can go. Um, this is kind of like a, like a psychological question for me a little bit. Um, uh, if I was to be brutal, I think, I think AI is, is, is an all round good. I'm not convinced at the moment what we've got is AI. But um, even even still, the, the the system that's there is gonna, I think, smoothen out people's lives if that makes sense. So I feel bad saying this because some of my family work in, in places which will be affected by AI for, AI for sure. But it kind of like I see it as a as a positive. Basically, I, I see it as 
AI re- replaces kind of like the monotony of, 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 of the world as such. And it gives everyone else kind of the freedom to, to do a bit more. Um, and that's, that's kind of my, my view on this, really. <laughs> um, uh, what, what I'm really thinking about is uh, I'm going back some, but um, my family are all uh, farmers. And uh, the days of people like walking in fields, picking up vegetables have been reducing over time through machines. And more and more every year, like uh, tractors have, the harvesters have far more intelligent systems on them so they can follow paths and kind of uh, choose the correct, correct routes and the, tra- and the correct um, harvest. Um, and things like that being replaced by these AI systems just mean really our, our lives get easier. Um, of course, if everything gets replaced by AI, we have a, a different question entirely. But um, yeah, I think long term is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, um, I, I kind of am thinking the exact same thing with that process. And I guess there's usually, as you said, with like the jobs perspective too, um, the two sides of like the AI doomer going up against you know somebody who's you know just a a believer that AI will approve everything um, is that on the side of you know the negative way of seeing a lot of things is as you've said many people do have concerns over over jobs and what could happen you know in regards to that of like okay well ai is taking over people's jobs and you know it's not like this is a new thing either especially like it's a continuing thing and it is happening but it's been going on for a really long time and i mean the example that i feel like you know can even be seen all the way down to small towns in the middle of nowhere is automated checkout you know stations and stuff where there are machines that are replacing jobs and other things like that but as you said and i think that's a really good point too um which is on the side of looking at it from a more optimistic point of view is that a lot of the jobs that things like ai are replacing are going to be jobs that are not enjoyable they are not fulfilling they're extremely menial tasks. And I know that, you know, there might be some people who are like, oh, like menial tasks can lead to great things because Einstein, you know, came up with a theory of relativity while he was working at a patent office, like basically, you know, pressing stamps. Um, and, he, and he says that the menialness of the job is what gave his brain the ability to think on it. But there's definitely more fulfilling ways for people to live their lives, I feel. Um, and, and jobs that will become available because of this situation you know and that's the thing is there's always going to be people who need to still step in like we have ai tools now um and as you said you know somebody could replace a call center with a a chat bot or something like that which would be more expensive to run than hiring a, a person to just answer questions um but I mean, at the end of the day, even let's say that it was cheaper. I, I don't know many people who would find absolute joy in their career path, you know, having to be the person who just like answers like questions all day. Maybe there are some people who do like that. But I, I think that that's kind of the area that will be nice is that AI can open up, you know, access to these tools as well. It's not just like these tools are acting on their own and doing everything for you. You still have to have someone there who knows how to use these tools. And I think that it's really cool because complex tasks can be reduced into a few sentences, basically, or a few objectives, um, you know, really easily. And it's I think in the next few years, it'll be even easier than it is now. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where I also would say that I put myself. 
Now, where do you think you would be uh, on on the scale um, from AI doomer to AI believer, um, Attila? So, yeah, I think uh, I'm also more on the positive side. Uh, of course, there are associated dangers, uh, new changes are coming, so we have to be careful and not just, you know, let everything go and uh, don't think about the issues. We definitely need to address those. But yes, on the longer term, I think it opens up a lot of new possibilities and new exciting uh, stuff so people can you know, be free of a uh, lot of things which usually is boring and repetitive and these uh, tools essentially can help with that. All right, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that that's a great way of looking at it as well. And I guess even as well in the, because uh, I mentioned Sam Altman, because um, obviously he's CEO of OpenAI. He's all over uh, in, in the news. Anything related to AI, it seems like somehow <laughs> he either manages to connect himself to it or, or other people associate him with it. Uh, but I also like had seen within recent times, um, and actually Freya and I were having a discussion about this even before uh, this session had started, which many of you may have already seen this, there was an open letter uh, that was written basically calling for a halt of AI development for all AI labs uh, to, to make things nothing more powerful than chat, or not chat GPT, sorry, uh, GPT-4. Uh, they wanna put a halt on it for like six months basically. And it was signed by quite a lot of, of really large names. Um, you know, within the industry and that a lot of people would probably look up to uh, if they were in the technology field. So I kind of wanted to bring attention to that because the general idea also follows along with kind of what we just discussed about the, you know, whether or not AI is a, a net positive or negative for humanity. And, and essentially what this open letter had stated was that it was supposed to be a breakdown of AI as a whole could be a positive for the world, but the rate at which it's being developed and the rate at which it could be, you know, taking jobs from people might be too fast. And also if we allow AI to have too many jobs in decision-making processes, then essentially it was, it was saying that like, not that humanity would be become like, like boring, but that it would be unfulfilling, basically, to to live in a world that was in, that was dictated, I guess, as they had put it, by you know AI, and also you know the potentials that bad actors could have if they access the technology, whether it's you know to be able to um, you know actually become better with you know being able to hack things or exploit networks and, and just other overall not great things uh, that they could possibly do if these models were to become good enough to identify those attack vectors and utilize them. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of wanted to have, I guess, your guys' opinion as well on, on just the general idea of, you know, that concept, because I think that in my opinion, I don't think AI is like, because AI is, it seems like it's almost this nebulous thing when, when people refer to it. It's so generalized as to all the things it can possibly encompass um, that it's really difficult to understand often what people are trying to mean by it. But in my opinion, 
Um, my biggest concern is less with the development of AI and more with, I guess, who owns like the AI is, is it able to be accessed from people like everywhere? Is it, is it run through multiple governments or companies or is everything owned by one central entity? Like is every single piece of data that you're feeding in just going in and feeding like more into that? Is it essentially like data mining uh, for a singular company? And also what companies, like what, what those companies could end up doing with that data down the line. I, I don't see it as necessarily like that the idea of AI is necessarily the problem, which is why, you know, I see Fetch AI is a, a pretty good solution to a lot of the things that, you know, I, I was just talking about basically, because we run off decentralized models um, and, you know, even the, the agents and stuff, once you download the agent software and start using it to build whatever you want to build, that is yours forever. It's on your computer. You don't even have to connect it to the network of other agents. You can just run an agent locally and that's yours. And so, yeah, I, I pretty much just wanted to know what you guys think in, in, in general of is AI, like if there is a fear to be like worried about, um, or not even a fear, but a, a concern to be had. Is it? Do you guys think it's actually with AI itself and what it's capable of, or more so, who has the AI and who is like the owner of it? So, George, I totally agree. It's a not not a good situation where a few big companies or hold the best models, the best tools. Essentially, we definitely need this to be more democratized, but. What we can see is that a lot of people is aware of that and they are trying to change this. That's why there's a lot of open source uh, models are coming. Uh, there are a lot of research groups are making uh, really good uh, models available which can compete with the ones which uh, large companies hold. And also that's why this uh, new QLORA technology is super important because it is actually helping the whole uh, make the AI not only the best models, not only owned by a few big companies, but let people to have something on their home uh, PC, be able to uh, train and then do stuff with it instead of uh, relying on big companies. And of course, it's a super powerful tool. It's a really, really powerful tool and with a great power it comes the responsibility so it, at the end of the day it will be about how responsible humans who are using these powerful tools can be yeah no i i honestly i i couldn't agree more i think that that's pretty much just how it is is it's going to be the people who are you know using the tools who are behind the tools that are going to make you know if there are things to be uh concerned about it's definitely not the idea that ai is developing quickly because if anything it's it's useful that these things are coming by at the rate that they are because like a few years ago not many people were talking about ai in the way that they were like right now so i think that it's kind of cool to see regular people i even know people that i go to the gym with and i see them like pulling up you know like these ai tools to be able to do something and i think that that's you know an interesting thing where we're reaching that threshold where 
like most people are trying to be able to access AI. And I hope that it does become a more democratized process, as you referred to it as. And did you also, uh, Josh, have any opinions on on that situation of whether it's an AI problem or more like a Skynet-esque problem? Um, I, I, I don't know. I think, I, I think it is an ownership problem. Um, I agree it does need to be more democratized, uh, but I don't think that's necessarily the issue for now. I don't, don't really think it's at the stage where it needs to be. And like, I, I remember when that letter came out, I, I, I almost thought it was a bit, a bit odd because it's not like, you know, we're, we're petitioning Elon Musk to, to make Twitter, uh, decentralized, you know, it's, um, AI just came around, like OpenAI open came around with a, a really solid LLM, and then everyone was unhappy. Well, then people were unhappy about it, and uh, ultimately, I'm I'm not really on their side. Um, so yeah, I'm. I just kind of agree with what Attila said, other than a bit skeptical about the 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 letter that asked for him to stop. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, it, yeah, like it's it's pretty i guess cut and dry in in that way of you know if, if it's not something that is kind of seen as an issue in in that sense then yeah no it's easy enough to you know see some flaws in it which was i guess from my perspective as well why it was so interesting to see um as many big names there as there were even like people like steve wozniak and whatnot so uh, who knows? Maybe there's other reasons for for them to sign the petition. Um, but yeah, I don't think that it's that kind of issue. Like, you know, it's it's not like a six month period would do anything anyway. If I'm being completely honest, even if it was enforced. But yeah, that was a, that was a, a, a bigger topic. Um, so thank you guys for you know giving your input on that. And honestly, uh, I think that we can probably bring today's session to to a close because yeah we've been we've been going for almost 45 minutes now and i want to say a huge thank you uh, to our guests and if you do happen to have uh, any questions for either josh and attila free feel free to to post on twitter here uh, and we will try to get an answer for those questions that you guys have and yeah as i said thank you to attila and josh for for joining on and um, thank you for, for Freya as well. Freya has also actually been posting links uh, to the things that we've been discussing. If there's articles and stuff that you wanted to read in regards to some of the topics that we were discussing today, you can uh, find those in the tweet, basically, for, uh, for, for this Twitter Spaces session. And yeah, um, let us know if you guys like this kind of style of, of us going off and uh, discussing AI topics that are you know, currently important. Um, and of course, we would love to make this a weekly occurrence. And if you ever have any topics that you guys would personally like to hear, um, you know, people either from Fetch AI or if there are any guests that you would like from other AI companies to come on and, and discuss with us, uh, absolutely feel free to leave recommendations for any of that. Um, once again, like you can tweet it at us, you can do responses uh, under any of our tweets, and I will try my best to make sure that we we gather that stuff and and make some really great sessions for you guys but yeah thank you to everybody who listened in and once again thank you to uh the the guests we've got here today so yeah all right great thank you 
Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Motherfucker screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and plate. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless, trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets. Dead ants dragging out the max amount of payments. Red down days got them acting all bankless. Yo, fam, what? Check these token knocks. They probing this bear, flexing broken knots. I had to lay my soul down. I'm just roasting knots, and then to end a long day, eleven bowls of chronic. Never known the politic. I was born to frolic. It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot. We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top. We like to measure their velocity. Before they hit rock bottom, over impossible loss, it's all moss, and I'm liking the odds. Bond doing the morning, forming mycological bonds. Click the cap, yo, the road is highly involved. Flip a coin, diary falls. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy. Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality, stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and pleasure. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lace stacked in non toxic just to get a better place. Smacking on the hostage like the shit is played for keeps. Clowns, white knight, and all these Maybellines. They call it implausible when model after model keeps on ripping off the coat and going full throttle. Beats tearing apart your community. All these low hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity. Got a planet in reach, coming standard to each. I'm on the back, ten stargazing after the siege. Commanding all the management to grab a few seats and then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east. Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats. Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets. Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats. And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each. Motherfuckers, fuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works and we'll see what other kinds of treasure. Under the dirt, we rape and plunder the earth. Say and wonder about the worth and play. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served.